Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers. This is a Christian roundtable discussion for men. This is podcast number 320. Hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, burn. Not sure where you ended up. Spin it around. Find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And that is where we are. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys. But each of us are on our own spiritual journey and we're out meeting daily challenges, just like you. And we're glad that you've joined us for this spirited discussion. It's called uh, Deliberately Provocative and Unexpectedly Funny. So we're so glad you've checked our podcast out. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and at NoChurchAnswers.com. So you can rate our podcast. Please re- leave a review. And, of course, it would not be possible without your participation and support. Thanks so much. At this time, I'm going to jump right in and uh, introduce our panel. He's a former world-class policy writer and a current professional gambler. He's actually the show producer. is Mr. Steve Titch. Right, Hello, Steve. everybody. Hey, Steve. And... Uh, he is a former prosecutor. He is an attorney, kind of the group historian. Uh, we call him the judge, Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Bill. Hey, Mike. And my name is uh, Bill Cox. I'm basically a salesman, contractor, and uh, the host. And this uh, lesson is entitled, Why Then Was the Law Given? We're going to jump right in and uh, bring in producer Steve Titch. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Bill. Well, here we go with one of the most complicated sections of the Bible, and uh, one of the hardest. Uh, I'm going mean, to, before we get into it, I'm just going to set a little scene here uh, to remember the context of the letter to the Galatians. Paul is spending most of his time here attacking the Judaizers, and this was a group within the larger, the larger Jewish community who insisted that Gentile conversion was not complete unless the new Christians committed themselves to following the law as laid down in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, from the Ten Commandments on down, and all those laws that you find in in the the Jewish Torah or the the first five books of the Bible. Um, and, And I want to make it clear, this was not the view of all the Jewish converts. Uh, it was a group, a group that had, uh, that apparently, according to Paul, did originate in Jerusalem. He would call these, he, he never named anyone, but he did refer to men from James in Galatians 2.12. But they had apparently uh, had found some influence among the diaspora and obviously had, were, making, were making inroads into the Galatian churches. And Paul is fuming about this. And what we're going to look at here, we've already looked at, at some of his arguments about the whole Christ plus, that it's, it's all about faith, not about tacking on uh, things to your faith. But he, his argument is going to be, what we're going to look at this week, is not that the, 
you know, not only are the Judaizers wrong about the obligations of new Christians, they are wrong about the role law plays in the Jewish faith and why it was given by God. And he's going to apply that to what, what we would call um, the post-resurrection or the age of faith, the messianic era, the apostolic era. And he's going to take us through this, going back to Abraham. So that's how I just wanted to set the stage and, uh, and, and turn it back over to you, Bill. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, short opening. Uh, uh, folks, uh, Steve is talking about legalism, and we have talked about that off and on through a number of our podcasts, and I just want to pre present an example to you. I myself went to church for 20 years before I gave myself, my life to the Lord, and I, I thought, you know, I'll do good things. I'll be okay. Everything will go great. Okay? But let me, let me explain. Legalism, as Steve has explained, that Paul is is telling us, telling the Galatians why there's salvation through faith and grace and not doing works. The example is John Wesley. Before his conversion, he was the son of a clergyman. He was a clergyman himself. He was orthodox in, it, in his belief. He was faithful in morality and full of good works. He did ministry in the prisons, the sweatshops, and the slums. He gave food clothing and education to slum children he observed both saturday and sunday as the sabbath he sailed from england to the american colonies as a missionary he studied his bible he prayed he fasted and gave regularly yet all the time he was bound in the chains of his own religious efforts because he trusted in what he could do to make himself right before god instead of trusting in what jesus had done Later, he came to trust in Christ, in Christ only for salvation, and he came to the inner assurance that he was now forgiven, saved, and a son of God. So looking back at all his religious activity before he was truly saved, he said, I had, even then, the faith of a servant, but not the faith of a son. So that's what we're talking about today. Bill? Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and get right into the first reading. This is Galatians 3. 15 through 18. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is in Christ. What I mean is this, the law, introduced 430 years later, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Steve? Now, there are always those who tell you that the Bible is written really mysteriously, and you really can't, uh, can't fathom it. But here is an example of where the language is pretty clear, and it, you can even understand it in this day and age. Everyone knows what a covenant is. Everyone knows what a contract is. 
And when you do a contract, you spell everything out. Uh, whether it's buying a car, buying a house, everything's in there. And once you sign it, it really can't be changed. Uh, you know, if somebody, you know, if, you're, if you sign your car contract and it has the right VIN number on it and it's supposed to come with air conditioning or power steering and it doesn't have that, you get to take that up even as far as legally with the dealer. Uh, so what Paul is saying here, this covenant promise to, to Abraham is just is better because it's from God, but it's just like any other covenant. It cannot be changed. And so he's going to, that's, that's the first and foremost aspect of this because he's going to get into, uh, later he's going to talk about that the law given to Moses had, did not change this promise at all. And this promise is, is iterated in Genesis chapter 12. It's the famous line, your descendants will be as numerous or more numerous as the stars in the sky. It is reiterated in, 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 in chapter 15, and we'll discuss that a bit. Um, but this idea, that the thing where it gets tricky is that, and, and is that Paul, Paul goes back to Genesis where, where uh, God promises this, this great, his, his, his descendants will be part of this great nation, and some translations still call it seed, some call it offspring. Paul was working off a largely Greek translation, which had the word seed, and it was singular. And Paul makes a jump that the seed of Abraham, the final in a final, was, was not necessarily this huge offspring. The seed of Abraham was Jesus Christ. And that opened the whole idea of nationship and, and we'll see later inheritance to all people. Uh, now we were <laughs> we were talking this morning with Mike. Was this a considering that the if you look at, at chapter 15, especially of Genesis, it seems to be that this promise has more to do with real estate, of actually land and geography, uh, the land of Israel, than it does with nation with a with a spiritual nation. Is this a retconning? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Are you going to get to that already? <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, folks, this is this is actually a great thing. You have divided up, and I believe Steve has more or less said this. Uh, you, first, you have the promise of Abraham by God. God says, if you do and move where I tell you to go from Ur to Haran, he says, I'm going to bless you. He says, not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to bless you so greatly that you will have descendants that will will bless the entire earth eventually, or a descendant. So Paul puts two together, and, and, and Steve says, it's got to be a seed, because it can't be the law, which comes later, 430 years later. It's got to be a seed of Abraham that comes, and whatever he does at that time, God does not reveal that he's going to be a, 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 a Messiah or a king or someone who will return uh, the relationship between the people of the earth to God, which Adam forgot, forwent, and gave away anyway. So, as he said, Abraham had just defeated five kings and recovered Lot to the north of Damascus. And the word of the Lord came to Abraham saying, he would have a son. Your descendants will be as numerous as stars, Steve said this, 
And Abraham believed God and it was counted as righteousness. So folks, before we ever get into the law, we see something that says there's going to be a require your faith and your trust in God in order to be blessed by God. Yeah, so that's yeah. what he tells them, right? And, now what Paul, and, what, and what Paul insists is that that covenant is foundational. Yeah, um, oh, absolutely. There's no more amendments and provisos. The law, which he, which he says, came along in, in his counting. It depends how you count it, but to, to Paul, it was 430 years. You can argue it's 600 years, number of ways yeah. to set the time. But, the, but the, the fact is, this was still centuries before the law is handed down or revealed to Moses. And the law was meant to do, was not meant to be an addendum to the covenant. We'll talk about what it was. Yes, well, they, 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 anyway, you, may, you mentioned covenant. Mm -hmm. Folks, the covenant and promise are two different things. Mm -hmm. The promise to Abraham okay. that he would have seed and that mm -hmm. seed would bless the earth. God Trump. came then and said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice animals to me. Told him an ox, mm -hmm. a goat, oh, yes. this was several things, 15. right? Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. He told him, okay, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice these things to me. And up to this point, we don't know that he's been sacrificing to God mm -hmm. or not. But we know God, God clearly tells him to sacrifice certain animals. And then Abraham does it, and then God puts him in this deep, deep sleep. And mm -hmm. it was both scary, and mm -hmm. it was very revealing and intense. And God came to him. And made a covenant with him. He said, split the animals and I'm going to walk between them. And God actually comes as a torch and walks between the animals. Okay? That's his acceptance fire. The fire that we, we when, when the Israelites, the Jews, would later burn their sacrifices to God, they would burn them. And that was provided. They had to have faith and trust that God accepted those sacrifices. And God himself came as a torch between the animals and said... I accept the animal. He didn't say it. He did it. He accepted by showed himself. Anyway, all right. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is No Church Answers, uh, podcast number 320. And uh, our title is... Why then uh, was the law given? I'm going to go ahead, and this is our second reading. This is Galatians 19 through 29. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred has come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would have certainly 
have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come could would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. No, is there male or fe- and female? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, when I was thinking about this particular uh, lesson, as I was going through the show prep, it reminded me of being a farmer, being a pig farmer. And you had... Uh, you had seed, you had uh, particularly a boar hog that you would pay a lot of money for. And that's how you would change your bloodline. You wouldn't, couldn't change all your sows. You kept your sows, you know, five, six years maybe. And then you changed them out. And, but you, every, every couple of cycles, you had to change your boar out. And the boars were expensive. And they were treated well. And then you think about the commercial pigs that were just raised for bacon. You know, those, I mean, they were nice animals, but they weren't treated special. They weren't thought of as the seed. And I think Abraham, knowing agriculture, knew how special it is to be the seed. You, you are the one that everybody else is going to come from. You're the deepest root. You know, all the rest of them, all the rest of them are just commercial, regular animals, animals that, that don't matter. The show animals, the the good bloodline animals, those are the ones that are taken care of. And those are the important ones. Those are the roots, roots of of your flock, of your herd. And ultimately, in Abraham's case, of a civilization. But the thing about it is, he's Jewish. I'm not. And so my reckons, I, I reconcile this. I mean, yeah, I get it that the, about the Mosaic law and, and all that. But uh, my roots don't go that deep. <laughs> Steve. Pigs were, pigs were not kosher. <laughs> pigs were, and pigs were not kosher. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Being a pig farmer. I'm, I'm glad, Mike, you, you came up with that that. Uh, introduction with with John Wesley because it's a, it's 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 going to play into this. Um, Paul says up front the law was never intended to be an avenue to God or righteousness. Following the law did not gain you any sort of absolution or any sort of of communion. I'll use that word communion with God. You, you, need, you need the Savior for that, and you need your faith for that. What he says is that the purpose of the law was to point out sin, to basically be a guidance to, to, the, to, the, to the Israelites up through the point 
according to Paul, where Christ fulfills it. And, and, and the fulfillment is that the Messiah will, 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 will basically take on the curse of this law, take on sin, conquer it, and offer that, that nationhood. And, and the, the loaded word in this is guardian, um, which also gets translated into English as sometimes as schoolmaster. Guardian in Greek, this is, it's kind of derived, the word is pedagogos, pedagogos, which of course where we get the word pedagogy from, and it, and, and it implies everything like teaching, um, but to a, to a Greek reader, to, a, to a, a reader of Paul at this time, that, that guardian, the way he's using it, was the slave or the household servant who took care of the kids, made sure they got to their lessons, made sure they got their meals, basically taught them the rules and then, when those children growed up, they didn't need the guardian anymore. They knew, they knew what was expected of them, and they were ready to take on, obviously, more complexities. He's saying the same thing here, that the law serves as your, your teacher, your, your trainer, uh, but the, the time for that is over. And where we... You know, and, and since we are justified by faith, we're no longer slaves to this. In fact, this is, this is why Wesley is so important. Wesley was still laboring under the guardianship, whether Absolutely. he meant to it or not. Absolutely. He's, lit, he's, he's, he's doing everything he thinks he should do, except truly live by the Spirit, which is what we're called yes. for. And then, and, you know, it gets, it gets kind of crazy there, but... Um, you know, and and this is where this is where I'm going with this because Scott McKnight, who who uh, wrote uh, who wrote a very good commentary on Galatians, it's called the NIV Application Commentary. It was a key source in the author and in the commentator. One of whom is our our you know many several of whom are pastors here at at, at Sugarland Baptist. But a key thing that that Scott McKnight wrote that stick that jumps out on me. And, and I want to talk about it, is Christians who are seeking God's will do not turn first to the law of Moses for direction. Do not turn first of all to the law of Moses for direction. That means, to me, if, the first, if you're going to look at my behavior and the first thing you're going to do is pull out something in Deuteronomy or Leviticus, you're not living the Spirit. I pretty much agree with that. And I know there's so many people have brought up obscure passages when they say, uh, do you follow the Bible? Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, how come you wear clothes that are made of mixed fibers? <laughs> that's in the, that's in Deuteronomy or one of those things. You're violating the law. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing about it is, and I, and I get it, that everybody needs to have a foundation. But understand this. When you build a skyscraper, you need a foundation that is approximately a third of the height that you're going up. So if you look at a, a skyscraper that's uh, 
100 stories, you need to be 30 stories under the ground for foundation. Keep it from tipping over. Pretty pretty standard bet, okay, of course, based on soil. So, so when people debate me about the Bible and stuff, you're a Christian, Bill. When you're going back uh, 4,000 years, uh, I can tell you this. That's a little deeper foundation than I need. <laughs> I'm not that big of a tower, you know. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things that, and I get it, that during the early stages... It just goes to show how difficult it must have been for Paul and and all the rest of them to try to keep the message straight. I mean, because there's all the other little things that were coming up. I mean, what a drag. How hard. I mean, it, it's not easy now, but at least I don't have to question the doctrine. You know, I'm not creating the doctrine as I'm believing, you know. and that And that's the thing what they're doing is they're trying to, you know, decide essentially i mean what what is important okay yeah. folks we we have referred to the law the law right. several times here right what we haven't done is defined it there's three parts to it okay the Go ten ahead. commandments which steve just talked about and whether or not that applies to us today and whether or not we turn to it so the first part is the ten commandments the second part is the worship system given to the jews which they were supposed to follow when they came out of Egypt, and the ordinances, which included the ex extreme details, right, in Leviticus, Steve, is that correct, in Deuteronomy? Yeah, yeah. And how to worship God. Now, what the purpose of the Ten Commandments for was to reveal the holy character of God. The very first commandment is you're going to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second commandment is don't make an image, don't make an, an item that you are going to worship. Now, I'm going to switch pages here. And go to a second part. Uh, how to and, and Steve? Steve wrote out these questions. It's fantastic, folks. He says, and and then we're going to go to his last one. They talked about how did the Ten Commandments and various points of Mosaic Law figure into Christian law? Uh, well, that, that depends, really. Christian life. Christian life, 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 life. Right, right, right. And and folks, my answer is that depends. Sound familiar? A president <laughs> said that it right. Depends. Depends on the maturity of the person who comes to Christ. A child may need the basic Ten Commandments to begin with, like do not steal. I'm going to tell you, mm -hmm. stick my neck out, folks. When I was five years old, I took a ball out of a grocery store. I picked it up on the floor, and my mom caught me and says, what's that in your pocket? I said, it's a ball. So I'm five years old. And, and she says, you're going to take it back, and we're going to find the manager. And we found the manager's store, and I had to apologize to him and give him the ball back. I said, can I have it now? No, but it, anyway, folks, the point is, it depends on your maturity whether or not the Ten Commandments apply to you. Uh, and thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lust after another man's wife, whatever. Um, uh, anyway, there, there are various laws that can still apply today. Now, the other two things that, we're that I said are, are in the law, and that's the animal sacrifices as part of the worship servant to God probably do not apply today. And then the very, very details of the food you eat and the clothes you wear and everything like that the guys were talking about a moment ago may or may not apply. That's going to be determined, and, and Steve mentioned this, as to Holy Spirit leads you on how you want to dress. But anyway, four, and then, and then the final thought he brought to us, Christians who are seeking God do not turn, first of all, to the law of Moses for direction. And again, that to me depends 
depends on what they're seeking guidance for. If they have been in pagan worship, and there are actually folks that are actually devil worshippers out there, they have been in pagan services, if they have been very young, like I described as a very young child, uh, it depends on what they're seeking the guidance for. Now, I'm going to go a step further. Yes, I think they should, first of all, seek the Ten Commandments. It may not apply to them if they have a spiritual knowledge already, but you first, to me, as a Christian, you first start out as as a, as a Ten Commandments and then go from there on what you know. Steve, do you want well, to add anything? Yeah, well, to that? I did because because something something uh, Bill said about um, which which a little bit of an exaggeration was true. You know, you get non Christians or skeptics or or scoffers, which your guys sounded like more like. But but it's a legitimate question. Somebody approaches you and says, "Well, if you're a Christian, why aren't you doing X?" X. Yeah. And you know, it sounds too convenient to say, you know, well, Christ, Christ abrogated the law completely, which is, which is what Paul is saying here to a certain extent. He's saying, you know, that the, the law no longer holds you. You have to appeal to the Holy Spirit. And to a non-believer, that sounds, oh, well, oh, good. You've given yourself a license to do anything you want. Now, Paul does actually address that criticism um, in here and in other letters. But I'm, I'm going to take it where, where you are. I think, I think the answer kind of is, is that the law remains prescriptive for the church. It's there. It's, it's there, like for the examples you're saying. But you've got to look elsewhere to balance that. You cannot begin and end with the Mosaic law. You can't, you can't say, and, and you know, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to hit the third rail again because the third, because, 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 you know, Deuteronomy is rolled out every time we have a, have a conversation about homosexuality. It's wrong. If that's, if that's the only argument you're depending on, I think you're losing it. That, that it says in one line, because there are other things that temper that throughout scripture. Um, and, uh, in, and so, so that have to be considered. Whether you come to a, a, an agreement or not, you, I'm saying right now, you cannot, you cannot condemn homosexuality based on one line from the Torah, period. There's more than one line. Oh, you cannot, oh yeah. Well, sorry, you cannot, sorry, point, point taken, but you cannot, you, cannot, you cannot take it as purely from, this is what's in, you know, this is what Moses said, because you have to look at you have to look at other things in the Bible, including and and let me let me give you this this one because um, and I was looking in my notes. I did it. I did note it that when when Jesus was approached, where they were going to stone the the prostitute, and now when we see that dramatized, I know I've seen several dramatizations. It looks like Jesus is diffusing a mob. Yeah, they're all going to yeah, they're they're all in a frenzy. They're all going to stone this woman. In actuality, if you look up, it's it's in the Gospel of John. Um, it's a, it's taking place in the temple courts. It's it's a it's a, a an example that is brought to him almost in a in a judicial setting. So they're not they're not they're not there's not a mob at this point, and and even John writes they're there to try to trick him. So they ask him specifically about the the law of Mo, the law of Moses. This woman is caught in adultery. The law that God gave to Moses, the Lord commands us to stone her. What do you do? And they're all giggling, oh, how's he going to get out of this one? 
And Jesus says, you know, the famous line, well, the one who is without sin cast the first stone. What he is doing is exactly what Paul is saying here. The law is there to point to sin. And you're all sinners. So if you're going to start stoning people, well, there's going to be a lot of stonings that follow if you insist on making this law the rules you live by. You know, he doesn't deny that the law is there. He does not deny that it came from God. But he does give a point that it's there to point out sin. And it's there to point out all our sin, as Paul, Paul says here in Galatians. It's, it, it, we're all, can, we're all, we all got problems under the law, so we need something else. So, um, you know, what do we need? I, I'll, I'll look at the other, the other reference I get, and this is what I have. Well, in John, let me, let me just, John, John 14, John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, that's in his address to the apostles at the Last Supper. He brings up the idea of the advocate, the Holy Spirit. He will send the Holy Spirit that will aid them. What will it aid them in doing? In guiding them. So to remember I said the, the law remains prescriptive for the church. The law is God's will, but it cannot be performed correctly unless it's accompanied by the Holy Spirit. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our second break this is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up, Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on Patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys, please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. And welcome back to No Church Answers. Uh, we are talking about the law. Uh, and who better to bring in but uh, former prosecutor, attorney Michael Cropper. So what is it? where are we going with this, Steve? I don't. First of all, if, if, if you say... God didn't contempt homosexuality. You're incorrect with that. You know he did. I didn't. Okay, no, no, I know he mm -hmm. did. Let's be real carefully because you talked for about five minutes there. Yes. Okay, God condemned it. And what did Jesus say to Mary Magdalene to the to the lady who was caught in adultery? He said, "She." He said, "Go, sin no more. I don't condemn you." So we're talking about the dispensation of grace and faith with Jesus, right? And he close, he shows us very clearly uh, over and over and over again. He says, I came to save and to heal and to forgive and to present the gospel to the poor. Okay, which is the good news that what the kingdom is near. Therefore, listen to what I say, have faith and trust in who I am and you will draw near to the kingdom of God. So 
the while the Ten Commandments, I think they are still good. I don't think, as we said, the uh, the sacrifices are required anymore, and the detailed uh, clothing that we have to wear to the church. Although I don't think it would be a good idea to come up here in ladies in bikinis or men in in their underwear. I think there is a standard that that God would appreciate if you in fact come to the church. And uh, anyway, so. We'll go on from there. That's all. I, I just wanted to address that one point. You know, this is one of those things that uh, you look at, and I get it, um, what Steve is talking about, how you have the initial law, and then once you get into, it's kind of like having a category. This is category X, and... But then you update it, but you still have the category, but it might be updated. And like I've said many times before, um, the progress of society, uh, interpretations change and they continue to change. And what is reflective in my interpretation of it and the way I live uh, through being a Christian man is going to be much different than my son, who's a Christian man and is the next generation behind me. And I think a lot of this is trying to realize how important it was to these people. Um, and, and I get it that um, if you take, a, say, a dog that has been uh, on a chain for years and you unchain it, the dog will just stand there because he's used to being chained up. And that is part of uh, of following the law, uh, it makes you a certain way. And maybe God needed to uh, mold society a certain way uh, for the time. But then, of course, Jesus comes along and, and it's a new covenant. And so that's what we're after. But but also, which got hats off to, to Steve, the show producer. Yes, and things change over time. And it is changing. Um, and, and it's changing a lot. Steve? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to say this, is, is that I think you guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of say, I think it, uh, Michael, you've got to be very careful about doing the, uh, well, this part, obviously, of the law is we don't have to follow, like the pork and the eating, the dietary, which actually gets, gets, is, is presented as a revelation elsewhere to Peter as well. But, you know, you'd say dress, whatever, but other stuff does. The radical part of this, and this isn't it, the radical part is what Paul says. Paul says, this goes. This, the, the law, following the law is completely separate from the idea of your salvation. I, I, and I guess maybe that's the big, big takeaway. You're not, you go to church every Sunday is not a point of boasting. That's not gonna. It's it's not gonna change anything if you're if there's a, another person who, who proclaims to, who professes to be a Christian maybe gets to church um, one out of four Sundays. I would say uh, he needs to work maybe on his faith life, but I, I can't judge his spirit. There might be specific reason. He might be a young person who has a job, who's low man on the totem pole, has to has to go to work on Sundays. There's and and we're you see we're free of that. We're free of these. You must leave the Sabbath day open for worshiping God. 
what we see that now the spirit says sometimes says to some people okay i got i got work on sunday i'll i'll do some worship i'll find a church that has a daily service on thursday wednesday or whatever my day off is i will i will there there are ways of responding that and and that's what i think this whole spirit thing is and I, where i'm where i'm going with this is that it's it's a way of life being a christian and and maybe that's the best way to answer because of your scoffer it's not about the rules it's a way of life what's my character and 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 the and we we believe as christians we believe that the holy spirit can actually change our character if we submit to it if we don't particularly like ourselves or like something about ourselves or are troubled with something we repeatedly do that we we know really is is destructive we can turn that over to the holy spirit and there are there are there are scores of people who can testify to this and in some cases i can too that 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 change can only come about through through actually laying laying it at laying at the feet of the cross and that's that's what being a christian is all about not keeping score of your good and bad deeds i'm going to tell you what it is okay does the law control you or do you control the law steve talked about the the law being a guardian to the jewish people today folks yes we have laws and we have laws that are similar to the ten commandments thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal and we have exceptions to those laws so how do you deal with them if you come across it uh steven asked some questions about what happens if you're confronted by this uh in fact his question is what do we do when the holy spirit prompts seemingly conflicts with the law of moses and then when i walk today with serving christ and I, the first thing i ask is there any exception to the law obviously because i was a prosecutor and I drop, and I'd let a case go if there's an exception to the law, and there was clear evidence of the case or the exception of the case. So, a couple of things that we had talked about. Um, Steve also said, if the law is at very least a glimpse of God's will for His people, how do we work out moral problems today? Now, I think that's a fascinating question because, folks, what do we do here? And and I'm sure all of you practically think is in practical matters of saying, okay, what do we do about abortion? And Steve already addressed that with, with homosexuality. That's one of the issues, right, that we, we're faced with. We have, what about uh, putting animals to death, euthanasia, immigration, multiculturalism, freedom of speech and religion and war? How do we deal with that? Because there is not a cut and dried answer to that. And this is what I like, Steve's about a lot of the questions is that he brought in some questions that are very practical that we want to tell you as men how, how we would do it or how we would deal with it. And, 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 and I don't have an exact answer to that, but number one, we vote. We try to get a Christian into our office as mayor, governor, or president, right, guys? And, and you try to get, and then, and then a judgeship, you don't elect a judge who is partial or who is, uh, has a tendency or a history of being partial or takes bribes, there are certain things you do. Uh, so you, you, a Christian, you also want to elect Christians to the legislature who will make laws that follow God's laws. So 
Is there no exact answer? No, but you try to do the things that God would have you do, and that is black and white. Those things there, as I said in the past, I think uh, some of us have been shocked at some of the decisions uh, the U.S. Supreme Court made because when the country was made, the Constitution was written 250, 70 years ago, whatever it's been now, uh, the, the creators of the Constitution never fathomed a Supreme Court that controlled the rest of the country without Christians being on the panel or following Christian ethics. They may not have had to been Christians, but their their ethics and the standards by which they put in the Christian Constitution, they could not picture today a couple of the judges who say, I don't follow the law, I do what I feel is right. Well, that that's you're but, doing but two that, different things. First of all, yes, I think, okay, okay. I, I don't think the, I, I would argue, but the forefathers or the authors foresaw yeah, but they did not write the Constitution that way. But I, 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 I'm going to dial back because I, I yes, this is this is a big bugaboo with me. The the moment I get a mailer with a candidate on it who's holding a Bible with an American flag like behind them, that they don't got my vote. I don't care, and, 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 and or with a Bible verse on it. Tell us why. Because because Explain they're why. trying to sell me on something. Because. Elections is are you're, they're selling themselves like soap, and they think, oh, gee, if that resident, that Steve Titch, they don't even know me, that that resident on you know in Sugarland, because I'm done all the demographic work, is more likely to respond to a Christian verse than, uh-huh. and we don't know what that. But but let me let me uh-huh. ask you this, okay? Because you bring up some there are some difficult issues out there. Yes. Now our governor. Um, claims to be a Christian, and yes, we have an immigration problem in this country. Is it Christian to put razor wire across the Rio Grande underneath the water so people trying to get into this country, legal or not, are killed? Or, or are, 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 are serially men, or, or, or is, that, is that Christian? Could we think of, if he wants the responsibility of governor, can he think of a more Christian solution than treating treating these people who who you know? And there are a whole lot of reasons, but basically treating them less than human. This is not what Jesus commands, and therefore, if he says he's a Christian, he's lying, just like a lot of other politicians who claim to be Christians are lying. They say they are, but they certainly don't they they don't talk and their policies they put into effect whether or not they have some kind of motivation behind them are it so there okay, okay that's okay, my okay, issue okay, about okay. voting booth and and and, and i know See, that there, you're... there are a lot of things a lot of things that even we do wrong even the best of us sin every day okay I don't agree with the razor wire, especially if he's putting mm-hmm. it in the water. I didn't know he's that. I thought, yeah. on the t- wait, wait. I, I thought it was on top of the fences mm-hmm. from what I had seen it being cut on top mm-hmm. of the fences, Steve. Uh, I don't think that's right. No, I agree with you. That doesn't make him a non-Christian. That does not make him a non-Christian, Steve. Oh, Because oh. we sin. It makes it, he's doing a non-Christian thing. I mean, there are Christians right now, pastors and churches, who commit adultery. Does that make them not Christian, Steve? No, no, but it makes not. it. it you can, but no, don't you're, you're don't come down to me things. and flaunt your credentials. 
because I as 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 because what I, I what I see you doing. All right, maybe you're right. I shouldn't look. I shouldn't judge and look into their hearts because for all I know, he you know I don't. But then then but as a as a fellow Christian, I have to ask why? Why do you do this and not see? The, and and go out and it's it's not like he goes out and feels bad for it. He goes out and boasts about it, and he 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 boasts to you and I as other Christians and saying, "Look at what the good I'm doing." And you look back and saying, "This is horrifying. Well, this is horrifying that you are see this as some kind of extension of your faith." And and yeah, and and the people who are not Christians who who probably in some cases, know the Bible better, say accurately, this is something that Christ would appall, be appalled about. And so that's, well, that's what I say. So you, all right, maybe he yeah. is, maybe he isn't, but don't go out and do unchristian things and try to get my vote saying you're being a Christian, saying you're doing God's work. Because then, yeah, I'll go back. You're lying. Well, <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, so... Yeah, okay. Uh, so, this Steve good. referred to some things. Uh, I won't test that unless I research that, folks, uh, about what Steve said. It could be someone else did this mm-hmm. under his authority, which is the same as him doing it. I would agree with mm-hmm. you, Steve, with that. I don't know anything about it now. I would have to research it to find out whose idea it was. Well, when it came out, he didn't it. stop it. He backed it up. He, 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 he. Yeah, okay, okay. I believe you. Mm-hmm. I believe you. So, Steve asked us another question I think that's very important. Okay. He says, do we live earnestly by the Spirit, or do we turn the New Testament into a mosaic law itself? And I think that's a phenomenal question, too, because, folks, what Jesus did was he took the Ten Commandments, he took the laws, and he defined them in a much more specific and moral way. Uh, For instance, you say the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt commit adultery. I tell you, don't look at another woman and imagine you're having sex with her. Otherwise, you're committing adultery with her. There are some tremendous virtues that Jesus presented to us in the New Testament and in the laws and in his translation laws. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So what I look at, he, Steve says, live by the Spirit. I agree with that completely. So if we're trying to find an answer to our walk with the Lord, and it has to do with things they're not answered in black and white in the New Testament or the uh, uh, the Old Testament itself. We must try to discern guidance. Steve brought this up mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit, because, and and this is my my statement because, and we've talked about this, folks. There are warring spirits which attempt to confuse us and lead us against God's will, and we may battle confusing thoughts from Satan. Uh, our mind is a battlefield for his thoughts and things like that. Do we, do we believe in the Spirit's guidance? Absolutely. That's what Steve was saying. You look for a walk with the Spirit and you listen for the Holy Spirit to guide you. And now that, what he's saying, was more important because the laws are written in your heart. Mm-hmm. The Ten Commandments are written in your heart. Mm-hmm. How to apply them is up to the Holy Spirit. Am I exactly. stating that correctly? Uh, well, you're certainly, you're certainly that's what I would say this says here. Um, and and kind of maybe what, what what Paul was saying, and we have the examples what I brought up, John John that that the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, was going to to aid us. Um, I would say regarding regarding that now that that the 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 quote you said about you know you look upon a woman you're with lustfully you you committed adultery already you know you've you 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 the law says you shall not murder. 
uh, you've already murdered if you slandered somebody or even called them a bad name. Yeah, I, I think, but but that is, I think that's an extension. And this is this is a little bit more of of me than than a, than a commentary. But I think it's valid. Remember that comes that comes after the beatitudes. Yeah. Um, that and and I think it's another illustration of of Jesus saying you're not gonna you're not going to you're not gonna come to me through the law. You're just gonna. It's just so really impossible, um, and and he he, he he almost says as much. And he says also says it's also very important because somebody out there is thinking he did say I have not come to do away with the law, but he did say I'm come to fulfill the law. And it. then Absolutely. and 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 I guess the other thing to remember is that that does not is that is not the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount or the beginning is the Beatitudes. All those blesseds. Um, and it kind of tells you, gives you an idea of what's expected of you as a Christian. And it's much more, it's much more, again, it goes back to what I was saying about, it's much more of way of life, being a peacemaker, uh, loving God, being, a, um, you know, we can, we can walk through the whole thing, but I won't, um, look at it, uh, you know, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, all of that, it's, he's, he's saying those, those, those are the things that find favor with, with God. God. They're ideal standards, mm-hmm. they are virtues, um, which we should set our sights mm-hmm. on, right? We may not mm-hmm. win or we may mm-hmm. not conquer them every day of our life, but we are to set our standards mm-hmm. on those high, high ideals. I agree. Uh, I'm kind of a simple guy, mm-hmm. and I kind of like to have a little bit, little guidelines that help me. <laughs> and I just want to respond as a pig farmer. I absolutely believe in fences. The river is closed. The bridge is open. The turnstiles are open. So come in legally, and you're welcome here. Um, anyway, um, but as far as uh, the laws, I kind of look at it as a screen, the way you can sift through things in life. And the very first one to me is the golden rule. Uh, <clears throat> you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And the silver rule, don't do unto others as you would not have them do unto you. And from there, I think the vast majority of people can figure it out. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get some uh, uh, some takeaways from the panel and start out with uh, Michael Cropper. Folks, I'm going to recap on the, on the things we've gone through here for a second. God gave a promise to Abraham. This is what we were talking about, what Paul starts off with. God gave the law to Moses. And he gave the law to Moses to guide the people coming out of Egypt. Why would they need a law so simple? Because they were, had lived for 430 years in a land of pagan idol worship where many, many, they had been influenced very strongly by the Egyptians. So more than likely, God was being careful, and he gave them a list of laws that were basic and simple to start with, and that's the Ten Commandments. And we call those, and Steve referred to it, and Paul calls those a guardian. And and folks, we do the same with our children. When we raise children, we bring them up to a point of accountability. We, We guide them. We tell them, thou shall not, thou can, thou can do with this, that, whatever. We are a guardian to our children. So it's basically the same thing. It's no different today than it was in, in, in application then, except we do it with our families. Now, God sent the Messiah, or Jesus, Abraham's seed, 
to restore our relationship with God to everyone who would believe. And the relationship, of course, was broken. The relationship with God was broken when Adam sinned. Now, um, everybody who would have faith and trust in God and have faith in Jesus that he came to the earth to remove our sin and give us eternal life would be uh, uh, Christians and we would be restored to God's relationship. So what's the purpose of the law? To create a righteous people who God loved and lived righteous lives for the world to see. But as Steve said, it could not give life and you couldn't do it. There was too, too many details. So, so what was the purpose of the promise to Abraham from God? It was to assure that Abraham, that if he obeyed God out of faith, his lineage would include a person who would bless the earth or persons who would bless the earth. Now, God's promise to Abraham, and God promised Abraham that all the earth would be blessed through his descendants. The Lord said to Abram at that time, his name was Abram, move to a land I will show you and I will make you a great nation. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Steve mentioned this earlier, Genesis 12, verses 1 and 3. So my question, folks, I'm going to wrap this up. Did Jesus complete the law? Steve answered that. Yes, Jesus came to fulfill the law. Question, did Jesus do away with the law? No, absolutely not. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. And the scripture for that says, Jesus himself said, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did, come to, I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. Matthew 5, 17. So, is the New Testament a new set of laws for Christians to follow? And we talked about that, Steve. We mentioned that a little earlier. And the answer is no, absolutely not. The New Testament is an extension of the two most important laws. Steve has already mentioned this to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And to me, the New Testament illustrates many examples of how we should love our neighbors and help those who need our help. And again, love is a primary focus, and Jesus tells us, love our enemies by helping them or helping him even when they do wrong to us. I'm going to tell you folks, that's a hard thing to do, but I won't dwell on that. Mm -hmm. So why did we need the law? Because God is holy, and he provided rules to make his chosen people holy when they left Egypt. And uh, Jesus illustrated, let me say example, I'm jumping one example here. God also told the Jews to help the widow, the orphans, the foreigners, and essentially anyone who needs help, but they chose not to do it. They chose to not associate with the Gentiles, to talk with them, to teach them, to help them. Poor people, many sick people, they wouldn't help if they were not Jews. And Jesus illustrated the examples by healing the sick, the lame, preaching the gospel to the poor, and the covenant of faith and grace is what replaced most of the laws and did away with the sacrifices in the Old Testament. And we are in the new covenant of grace and faith. Bill? Steve? Paul even says as Christians we will be judged. Um, we may still be saved, but we will be judged. And I think what the judgment is going to be is not, you know, the rules. It's, it's going to be more, you know, kind of fluid. I think you're going to be asked, what did you do to increase the total quotient of joy, love, good feelings, fellowship, brotherhood, peace in this world? 
against what you did while professing to be a Christian of bringing misery and unhappiness directly or indirectly. And maybe that's what we'll have to answer to. And, and I want to be the guy. I, you know, I may not bring, baptize a thousand people. I may not make it to church every Sunday. I, I may not know every Bible verse in and out. But what I try to do is every day try to think, did I make somebody's life a little better in some way? And I think that's, that's when I look, I, look at, I look at some of these verses to have in mind instead the next time you want to go to the, to, you know, to the Ten Commandments. First of all, there's Mark 12, 30 through 1, 31 of the big one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and your, with all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. That is from the Lord himself. There is no commandment greater than these. So if you're loving the Lord and loving your neighbor, there's your gauge. There's your measurement. Second, what I want is Galatians. We'll probably come across this in the next few weeks. Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens and you will fulfill the law of Christ. There's the big L word, law. Carry each other's burdens. So don't be yelling at somebody. Don't be boasting about how much you know, good you're doing. What have you done? Again, what have you done to make life a little easier, a little better for somebody? And finally, my, my personal favorite verse maybe is from Micah 6, 8. Now, what does God want from you? Well, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and finish up. This is Galatians 4, 1 through 7. What I'm saying is, is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the t set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is No Church Answers. And once again, thanks so much on behalf of our sponsors and supporters, on behalf of our producer, Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, my name is Bill Cox. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So please rate the podcast and leave a review. And if you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page or nochurchanswers.com and post it there. If you are unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, sugarlandbaptist.org. It starts Sundays at 9.45 a.m., and when you are ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find the small group ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class so you can join for small group discussions just like this. And find one that is men only. And if there isn't one, start one. And take no church answers.
You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content. 